Good morning, everybody. Welcome back to the Cinemania World Podcast. My name is Dwayne, and today we have another episode of Monday Morning Movies. Thank you guys for waking up with us this morning. I am joined, as always, by my co-host for the Monday Morning Movie Show. We have Brett. Brett, how are you? Doing pretty good, actually. You know, I woke up, and uh, it's, it's Labor Day here in Canada. I don't know what's going on in the rest of the world, you know. But, uh, you know, so everyone's off, so I woke up to... Uh, Nice big breakfast for my parents. Got an omelet, some bacon, and toast. And, oh, nice. You know, got my juice in me. So, you know, I'm, I'm good to go. I'm ready for the day. <laughs> Only thing I've had so far is coffee. So, coffee. Um, That's good, though. It's all you need, honestly. Right. Hoping to have some breakfast right <laughs> after the show. But, um, yeah, thank you uh, for joining me once again on to Labor Day. Yeah, it's Labor Day today. Everyone should have work off. I have a nice day off, too. So, I'm just going to chill and relax. Um, and weather is nice. So, yeah. Uh, All right. So, everyone, uh, we put up the poll uh, yesterday and we and we asked the question of what do you want us to what what do you want our topic to be for this weekend? We based it off Christopher Nolan and or just like around Tenet and stuff like that, just because of the release of Tenet this weekend. So let's go to what you guys voted for. So the the options were Nolan Films ranked Tenet versus Inception, Nolan's Dream Project, and Pitch John David Washington's next role. And with fifty fifty seven percent, you guys voted for us to rank the Christopher Nolan films. Tenet versus Except Inception uh, came at twenty twenty percent. Nolan's Dream Project came at twenty percent, and then Pitch John David Washington's next role came at three percent. So real quick before we get into the ranking i wanted to actually get your quick thoughts on tenant sure yeah um tenant was a bit of an anomaly to me it was a movie that mm-hmm. i loved but i don't really know why i loved it to a certain degree mm-hmm. it was it's you know of course the typical things that come with the nolan film you have the visuals and the score and you know everything that you love about nolan films right the set design everything and anything was right. definitely there and certainly present and it's just, it was the story, right? And it felt like it was too complex at times and just a little too confusing for its own good, right? You think of his movies like, I don't know, Inception or Interstellar. Those movies are complex, but they're also digestible. They're sort of explained to you in a simplified way that, you know, it doesn't, you know, he makes it seem like he's not spoon feeding you, but you also kind of feel accomplished for figuring out everything that's going on. And in this one, there was no sort of simplification. It was very, very detailed, very complex. And it almost to me, I'm like, does he actually even know what he's saying at this point? Does he know what he's writing? Because he wrote this on his own. I'm like, does mm-hmm. he even know what he's going on about right now? So, you know, at times the story, I felt like I followed it for the most part, but there were definitely times that I was like, this just feels like it's really, really complicated for the sake of being edgy and complicated and complex and making you think. So there were times that it felt like it went a bit overboard uh you know with its mechanics of the inversion and everything like that and i mean i've seen a lot of people say that the characters are super boring i found that john david washington and robert pattinson both gave great performances in this movie so maybe that was just me but overall i i would say my reactions were mixed to positive i'd say primarily on the positive side but uh, i think i really need a second viewing to kind of fully form a full-fledged opinion yeah, I would have to agree. I do want a second viewing as well, uh, but I don't really see what this 
with the with this whole thing happening the pandemic you know obviously it's not safe to go to a theaters so i'm treating the movie theaters as i'm treating like uh the grocery store and like stores in general go right. there when i like when i like when i absolutely need to you know so i don't i don't like i don't need to go and see tenant like, i do want to see it in theaters again in normal times i probably would have seen this three times already you know right uh <laughs> but i probably would have seen it this weekend but you know i was just like with everything going on, I was just like, you know, I'll, I'll see it when I see it. If, if if it does come to a point where I realize I do want to see it in IMAX one last time, um, then I'll then I'll go. Because I, I, I was just really happy that the first time I saw it, the first time I saw it was in IMAX and stuff. So, uh, yeah, it was a great viewing experience. Um, the, the speakers were amazing. The score was amazing. Uh, I love all of the action sequences. And I would agree with you. It's very confusing for the sake of being confusing in a way, yeah. like I keep calling back to the line where he says, just don't think about it. Just let me just do my movie and you have fun with whatever. Yeah, that's exactly. You know? and I feel like that was um, Nolan speaking to the audience more than the characters speaking with each other. Right, exactly. So I, yeah, that's, that's the only thing I can, I, I appreciate the ambition that, that he, that he went with for this movie. Cause I know it, cause he, he, he's been saying it leading up to the movie like for months that this is his most ambitious movie so i you know i appreciate that i appreciate a different you know i appreciate a, a unique sort of film in these times where all we feel like all i feel like we get is the same kind of thing like i feel like every week we get an announcement about a remake of something coming soon you know what i mean so, yeah uh, we just had we just had mulan this weekend so you know i really i really commend him for just trying to once again just move the barrier as far as filmmaking you know definitely so yeah that was my quick thoughts on Dennis. i wanted to get i wanted to get your thoughts on it since i know we have you wasn't on the review and we haven't really spoken about the movie and usually sure. this this show is like where we catch up for all of that so right um so yeah, very very nice just to uh, hear your thoughts on Tenet. Now let's get into our ranking for Christopher Nolan's movies, uh, eleven films. So the last time we did a ranking was for the Spider Man films. You guys must really like rankings for some reason. So um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, last time we did, so I'm I'm pretty sure we're gonna do a ranking like pretty soon, probably the next show or something, depending on what the what the options are in the poll. So we have 11 films. So what we're going to do, we're going to go, we're going to say six of them, the bottom six right now. Um, I do want to preface this by saying that I do not think there is a bad Nolan film. Um, so I will say, I will say that there's not a bad Nolan film in my eyes. And yeah, so we'll do our bottom six and then we'll end the show with our top five nolan movies and then if we have any questions we'll go through some questions at the end of the show as well so let's get started i'll sure. start with you my friend let's get your first your from 11 11 to 6 i believe absolutely all right so my number 11 spot and it, i think it's most people's number 11 and that's nolan's first film which was following um, mm -hmm. simply because it's, it's definitely an amateur film. It's definitely his first film. It's tough to even at times consider it a full film. It's only an hour and nine minutes long. I uh, only had a budget of, I believe it was like $60,000 roughly in that range. So it really mm -hmm. was, you know, just sort of an amateur filmmaker, you know, taking a shot and sort of testing the waters. And of course it's not like a short film, but it's also not really like a full kind of feature length film. So, uh, you know, it definitely has its merits. You can sort of see hints of Nolan kind of coming through there. Um, but it definitely is his, you know, 
it's his his low budget starting point is what it is so you know it's worth watching for what it is but if you are just hearing about christopher nolan for the first time and you're wondering mm. what this tenant movie is everyone's talking about because i see people all the time saying tenant i'm like well no it doesn't take place in an apartment building but it's fine but you know <laughs> what i mean if, if you're you know seeing if you're hearing about nolan for the first time definitely don't go in you know chronological order and start from this one you know it's worth watching at some point once you're familiar with the the, the director but definitely uh I'd say my least favorite, although I do agree with you that I don't think he has actually made a bad film. So, uh, yeah, but that's my number 11. So we can hop right into number 10. And number 10 for me is also one that I hate to say it because it's such a, a great idea and it has mm-hmm. great performances. And that's Insomnia. Um, <clears throat> in my ranking video that I did last week, uh, I said it then and I'll say it again because I feel like it definitely reigns true. And that is the fact that this is the Nolan movie that feels the least like a Nolan movie because it's the only one that he didn't actually have a hand in writing. Every other one, he either gets story credits, screenplay credit, or, you know, right. he gets all of it, all the credit, right? Like Tenet, he's the only one that wrote it. And Insomnia, he didn't have a hand in writing at all. Mm-hmm. So it definitely feels the least like a Nolan film. It has some of his trademarks. You know, you're getting this big, beautiful wide shots and you're getting a lot of you know trademarks in the style of filmmaking, but in the sense of the story and what you typically expect uh, in the narrative of a Nolan film, it's not mm-hmm. present in this one. That's not to say it's a bad story because it, it feels sort of reminiscent of Seven, which is a movie I love. But it's, you know, you fall into this sort of where it's you enjoy the cat and mouse between uh, Pacino and Robin Williams because two fantastic performances and Hilary Swank as well. But it kind of just it falls into that trap where it feels kind of like very familiar territory. And that's what I feel like Nolan does best is he tells us new stories in unique ways. And that's just not really present in this movie. Okay, all righty. So that's my take on Somnia. Nine. Nine is uh, this one was my last place until I watched these other ones and I get so much hate all the time for hating on this movie and saying it's one of the most overrated movies of all time and that's mm. Dunkirk. Um, oh my God, <laughs> you and I are on the same page here. Real quick, let me just yeah. let me just since I so we can so we can have time for like banter and stuff like that. Let's do like two like two two each. Go, go, sure, go yeah. from there. All right, yeah. so I literally identical to you. I have following as my 11 just same reasons mm-hmm. i i've watched it once and i was like oh you know it's it's a movie and i and i, and I like it but it's yeah it's not it doesn't feel like nolan yet you know what i mean and that's usually what Absolutely. first films kind of do unless unless like you're in the unless like when you're a first time director like in 2020 like 2015 like you know the last five years you have more to work with now in this day and age back in right. the day when you're a first time director you really have to make a name for yourself on your own but let's say if you're like Ari Aster and you're like you know Jordan Peele or whoever or like Greta Gerwig and all these other people then you have more to work with this in this time you know so I just felt like he didn't have a lot to work with like you said the budget was just crazy he didn't have his really studio behind him that time so I thought the movie was fine you know, uh, number 10, I have insomnia again, same reason. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you know, I, I, once again, I enjoy all these movies, but just each, each movie, I just feel, you know, I just feel are like, you know, um, 
have their have their issues and this is one of the more ones where i wasn't that interested from the start of when i started it and stuff so that's right. why and once again i watched it like twice and the last time i watched it was a few years ago so i'm mm-hmm. just going off kind of what i remember uh, that's why i was hoping when the poll when i when i when the poll happened i was hoping for that for some reason i really wanted to do that john david washington next role thing that could have been very um, but, interesting, yeah. No love right. at all for John David Washington for this one. Three percent, right? Yeah, it's crazy. So, all right, let's go to your number nine now. Number nine, yeah. So back to Dunkirk. Um, yeah. To put my thoughts simply, this movie is the definition of all style, no substance. It is arguably the best looking and best sounding movie you could ever watch you put that thing on 4k you crank your speakers Mm -hmm. you're going to have an absolute time with it because it looks and sounds phenomenal but it has no heart at all it has no memorable characters it has no you know it has no real story it's sort of just chronicling the event and that's why i always say that to me it's really just the most expensive documentary ever made because it looks great, sounds great, but like you don't remember any of these characters' names. They don't even have any subtle moments, you know, talking about home and things like that, right? It's really you're just watching this event from three different perspectives. Now, I'm a huge history buff, so watching it for that sake, in the sense of like, hey, it's kind of like a documentary, it's you know, it's great in that sense. And again, it looks great, sounds great, and there's some really, really beautiful, memorable shots in there. But for the sake of its performances and its characters and its story, it's just it's paper thin even you know it's wet paper thin right so that's what i feel it's all styles no substance you know it's a it's a metal tin with no heart so that's kind of the way i feel about dunkirk and uh that's why it ends up number nine i get hate for it all the time i've even made videos about it like dunkirk is overrated and people just light me up for it and i'm like listen you know i understand people love it and that's you know all the power to i'm not saying your opinion's wrong or anything like that but for me it's just this hollow hollow shell be it a beautiful shell but it's it's very hollow on the inside and that's just kind of where i sit with dunkirk okay so like right off the bat my number nine is my number nine is dunkirk i know <laughs> i thought i was the only one that was just like dude like okay you know what i mean like I, this right. this nolan has a reputation from some critics people say that he's very pretentious I, I feel like I, we saw this pretentious side from him uh, when he was, like, trying so hard with Tenet not trying to work with everyone to try to get it out of theaters on VOD or whatever, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people were like, dude, like, this is not the time. He would delay it. He didn't want to delay it. He wanted to be the first movie to kind of be out in theaters. And rightfully so. It, it's, it's definitely a movie that should be watched in a theater like i like mulan was was mulan was very grandeur but like this movie was like with the with the speakers with with the score Mm -hmm. with the blazing sound design and stuff like that and just the shots like it needs to be on watch on the biggest screen possible and if if you have like a 4k tv that doesn't mean like someone else has a 4k tv someone else could be watching this movie on like a 32 inch like tv and that's that's just that that could be what what all is is what all they have you know so like even like speakers i don't have a sound bar where i would have loved a sound bar to watch tenant but i don't have that so i'm glad i was able to watch it in a theater that being said dunkirk again another movie you watch in the theater i have the blu-ray i've watched it once before i have to watch it in theaters dude it's 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 like a sequence and and i can't really just vibe with one big just sequence it's it's things are happening i don't relate or vibe with anyone 
And mm-hmm. I know a lot of people like to do this thing where, hey, let's give him a pass because all of his films are like that. I'm like, dude, no. Like, I, I need, I cared for um, Matthew McConaughey in Interstellar. I cared for, I cared for Christian Bale in the Batman movies. I cared mm-hmm. for a, a lot of his characters, you know, in the past. But like this movie, I'm just like, dude, I, what is going on here? Correct. I, yeah, I, I, like, I watched it, when I watched it in theaters, I was like almost so bored. I was like this, I don't know. I just, I don't buy but dunkirk the way people really vibe with dunkirk listen technically it's amazing technically all around it's amazing whether it's sound design whether it's shots whether it's cinematography whether it's the action Mm -hmm. but i just need more than just a giant set piece you know and i just i don't know so i agree number nine is is tenet so um what do Dunkirk. we have now? Number eight. Dunkirk, Dunkirk. Ooh. <laughs> Dunkirk. Close one, close right. one. N- number eight, what do you got? Number eight, I have Memento. Now, this one was one I struggled with. I flipped back and forth between this one and my number seven. Um, and that's just mm-hmm. because with this movie, I really appreciate it because it was Nolan's first jump to the mainstream, right? This is the first one that he had a studio backing. He had a few, you know, kind of big name actors in it at that point. Or you had Guy Pierce. And you had a, I'm, her name's escaping me right now, but the one who played Trinity, right? Fresh off the Matrix movies and everything. Uh, Carrie Ann Moss, I believe is her name, actually. Yeah, yeah. Um, right. So fresh off the Matrix movies. So you had a few like, you know, moderately well-known names in Hollywood. And it was his first kind of big movie, right? Like this was sort of like his get out or something. You know what I mean? His first really, you know, Freud into the uh, the mainstream. And it's, it's great. It really is. Um, the way the story is told is fantastic because you're constantly it jumps back to this kind of black and white sequence with this really kind of eerie score in the background and then you're hopping back in time and then it goes forward until you hit the last point where you started off and you know it really does take the audience for a serious ride that you know it really makes you dissect every single frame in the movie and it's a mystery that's really worth you know dissecting and, and uh the ending too was fantastic it's one of those movies where not his best endings of course i'll get to that later what i think is his best movie ending um but it's really good right when you finally get the you know the final revelation kicks in of what this whole story's been about and how things sort of unfolded from the very beginning it is very much worth watching and I hate to put it at number eight because number eight feels so low. And that's just because, of course, you know, Nolan just went bigger and bigger and bigger with his movies and more complex. But actually, I don't know if it really got much more other than Tenet, much more complex than this. But, you know, it was it's definitely worth watching. And if you're looking for a headache for whatever reason, this is the one to do it. But if you're able to keep up and really pay attention to the movie and and see the subtle hints here and there and then, you know, by the time you hit the ending, it's it's definitely well worth it. Yeah, I would agree. I um so like that's actually my number eight as well. So I have no idea oh what's gosh. going on here. <laughs> um once again, I I watched this movie, I think the last time I watched this movie was like two years ago. Uh for the first time too. And uh yeah, I enjoyed it. I I bought the Blu-ray on a blind buy. They had this like they had this like Christopher Nolan section, like right. 30 percent off. So I bought like three of his movies. It was one of all of his like early movies I bought. And then I rebought um interstellar again so yeah i i enjoy this as well um mental's good i think it's it's held by a really really great performance from guy from um Mm. from guy pierce you know so uh yeah but that movie i love the style that it's shot in but you know i do have seven other movies that i enjoyed more than this one you know exactly yeah so um that being said let's go to your seven and your number six 
Seven. So seven uh, to parallel Nolan's first jump into the mainstream is his latest. And number seven for me is actually Tenet. Oh, um, wow. Interesting. interesting. Okay. Yeah, right. I feel like, you know, I only saw it almost two weeks ago at this point. And I feel like we said earlier, I do need a second viewing to kind of fully cement my feelings on the movie. I feel like it's one over time that, you know, once I, if I see it again in theaters or if, you know, whenever the 4k comes out and stuff like that, and I'm watching at home and everything, mm-hmm. you know, when I have a bit more time for it to sit with me and to dissect it and really kind of bask in the confusion, I feel like I can learn to love it a bit more over time. But as it sits right now, it just, I've seen all the other movies uh, past this point, you know, it, from a few times to many, many times, and I love them, right? So this movie, I didn't love it right out of the gate. I might learn to love it over time, but right now it just kind of sits in this number seven spot. I mean, we gave our full-fledged thoughts earlier on it, and that's just kind of where I sit with it, right? It, you know, it's phenomenal looking and sounding. It's well acted. Um, actually, the only performance that I think is like not really that great is actually Kenneth Branagh as the villain. I thought at times he was really good and really, you know, kind of menacing and stuff. But then there was other times where I felt he was super like like Wiley Coyote cartoonish, just the over the top Russian accent and the screaming and the this and the that. So there was times that he felt like. 60s bond villain and i understand that this was kind of you know nolan's attempt at like a spy espionage bond type film but when the whole rest of the movie is mostly serious and then at times you have this guy just turning into a complete cartoon character it it Mm -hmm. kind of pulled me out of it at times but other than that right it looks great sounds great well acted you know, one of the best looking movies that I've ever seen as well. And the sound design was just impeccable. Like my theater was shaking. The whole movie was fantastic. Um, you know, aside from the fact that the plot feels like it's trying to confuse you as much as possible on purpose. Uh, it really is great. But like I said, you know, I, I feel like I need more time to sit with it. Maybe if we come in you know, we, on the morning movies in a year's time, we revisit this yeah. list. Maybe it'll be a bit higher. Okay. So, um, so repeat one again. Once again, you have your number seven as tenant, tenant, and number six. Number six is going to yeah. actually be. Uh, let me get to that here. Is actually Batman Begins. Uh, I struggled oh, with this one a lot too. Yeah, and a few of the others. I think this was a, a fantastic starting off point for the Dark Knight trilogy, arguably one of the best trilogies to ever be released, you know, and uh, I think this is a great movie and I think it's always severely overlooked, which sucks because, you know, it's just it's overshadowed by the Dark Knight, you know, being the Dark Knight and the Dark Knight Rises. I've seen over the last couple of years, I've seen people's thoughts kind of turn on it. Uh, I see a lot of love for it still, but I also see a lot of people saying like, oh, it's overrated, it's boring, it's this, it's that. But either way, right, that controversy even still overshadows Batman Begins and where it all started. I think it's one of the best Batman stories ever told. I think Mm. they, you know, we know the Batman uh, you know, mythos at this point. We know that his parents are killed in Crime Alley. We know all this stuff. And I feel like Nolan did it in a very kind of respectful and smart way because he didn't start all the way from the beginning and give us this long, drawn-out slog of an origin story. He flips back and forth between, you know, current Bruce Wayne in the League of Shadows and younger Bruce Wayne and how he got to the League of Shadows and then youngest Bruce Wayne where, you know, it goes to you know, how he became afraid of bats and why he's the Batman and what happened to his parents and things like that. So I, 
I feel like it was told in such a brilliant way. Uh, Christian Bale proved everyone wrong when he was cast as Batman. I feel like that happens anyway. No matter who gets cast as Batman, they're like, this guy can't do it. That guy can't do it. Blah, blah, blah. But Christian Bale, phenomenal Batman. And then Killian Murphy, too, does not get enough love for playing Scarecrow in this movie because he also does a fantastic job. But um, my only real gripe with this movie is that the action sucks. And I know, I mean, you agree with this a lot uh, with these movies that are yeah, movies yeah. is the hand-to-hand combat is god-awful and it's at its absolute worst here. If you go back to that uh, that scene on the docks where Batman first is Batman, it you can't even tell what's going on. He lands into this middle of the circle with this group of guys and between the quick cuts oh and the God. flashing images, you can't even tell what's happening. Run. Yeah, you can't tell what's happening. <laughs> and it's, it's awful, right? So luckily, though, the action sequences are saved by kind of the bigger set pieces, like when he's uh, the first time in the Batmobile and he's going across the rooftops and on the, the mm. freeway. And, of course, the whole, when, you know, the heart of Gotham gets smothered in, in gas, like the fear toxin, and then you have to shut yeah. down the bridges and all that stuff. It's saved by these bigger, more memorable set pieces. But, yeah, the hand-to-hand combat is at its worst here. And it sucks, right? Because, you know, Batman, he's a master of many, many, many martial arts. And you just – that does not – read at all in this movie no and i mean that's that's my big problem with with the nolan films in general that's why i was so happy to see the new batman trailer start like show you that dude here (laughs) here's the batman you're gonna get and i i thought we were never gonna see that just because i thought people forgot like forget that batman is a fighter like he fight he's not just a detective he's not just um represented by fear but one of the main things that people why people fear him is how is like the way he fights and how he comes off while he's fighting the arkham games show that so well where right like i i, I started playing arkham knight again because the avengers game pissed me off so much but i started playing arkham knight again <laughs> and i'm like dude people are like running away from this guy you know what i mean it's like when i'm playing ghost of tsushima and he drops down and cuts somebody's head and like these guys are like fuck this i'm out of here you know what i mean so that's what Batman represents. So I that's my main reason as well why um when I, I like I, I fault the Batman like his Batman films because um and, and and Nolan you can tell like he can direct action because I saw it in Tenet. So what happened here? Like hand to hand combat in Tenet was actually pretty good. So yeah, exactly. I don't I don't, I don't really understand. So uh, for me, my number seven is actually Batman Begins. I think it is I I think out of the three Batman movies that he did it is like just um the, the it's just my it's my least favorite one just because like I don't dislike this movie I just like I rewatched it recently mm-hmm. and I know Anne and I was talking about Batman Begins and she loves that movie and I and I'm someone who just thinks the movie is very very boring and I I it it starts it it just feels very like slogged and it's like we're starting slow and I love Batman's origin but right. I even feel like this is I felt like it was a placeholder to get to the Dark Knight just because like this is like it felt like this is what we have to do to get to the movie that I really really want to make. And okay. I was just like, uh, I just, I, I, I don't vibe with any of, I didn't vibe with any of the twists at the end with, uh, with Liam Neeson. And then the, the, I thought Gotham looked so weird in this movie. I don't know what it was. It looked very like, especially the ending when they was in that Wayne tower thing. Like it felt very like, we don't want to do, do a real Gotham, but like, we kind of want to do like, like comic book gar- Gotham, but so we don't really know what to really do. Dark right. Knight's Gotham. It just looks like straight up New York, and I I rather that. Um, and and this 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 was like I was like, dude, Gotham looks a mess. Uh, 
Batman can't turn his head. I don't know what's going on here. <laughs> um, like I, it was just, it was just, it's just not my favorite. Uh, it was just like, there's always one part that I get so like, I get so like, wow. When he drops down to get the guy from the car, he's like, I'm Batman. And then he just floats in the air. I'm like, where the hell was the rappel gun? Where's the, where's the, the, was he latched onto something? And then, um, I don't know. I just like, I'd never vibe with, with Batman Begins. I just think it just moves so slowly. The scare, the scare, uh, scarecrow thing of the aspect of the movie is cool, but it does take me out of it in some moments because we have one half of this movie trying to be like realistic Batman, but then I have this fear toxin thing that makes Batman look like a gremlin, and I don't know what's going on here. So <laughs> I, I, I don't know. It's just, I'm very, I was always, I've always been since I was little, like I've always been iffy on Batman Begins and Dark Knight. Of course, I'll get into that, but like I love it, and Dark Knight Rises, I think, is criminally underrated. So okay. um, yeah. Yeah, that's my number seven number six is actually my number six is actually the prestige uh really? once again okay. it's one of those early movies that i watched with about from nolan that um i've only watched a couple of times and from what i remember i did i did enjoy it a lot but once again there's five other movies that i enjoyed more and mm-hmm. stick out to me as far as nolan that i put on this grandeur level and the prestige is not those five but i do enjoy it you know what i mean so right, all right. let's get into our top five number top five, five. Let's go to number five. What do you have? Number five for me is actually The Prestige. Uh, so it landed in the top five for me. I, I love this movie. Uh, you know, it's a battle of wits between these two kind of rival magicians, the, the back and forth, the sabotage, the trickery, the thieving, all of it. I love it. And I love that it's a period piece too, right? It takes place whenever it does. It kind of looks like, you know, like an older kind of Victorian era style. It's, uh, you know, it's great. And then you have Jackman, you have Bale. Michael Caine, Scarlett Johansson, you have such great actors and actresses and they all give top-notch performances. But of course, the biggest thing from The Prestige, and obviously I won't spoil exactly what it is, but it's the ending. It is my favorite mm-hmm. Nolan ending, probably one of my favorite endings to a movie ever. It just, it completely flips the movie upside down. You know, it turns your head backwards. Whatever saying you want to throw out there, it really does throw you through a loop. You know, it makes you rethink the entire movie. And when you go back and watch it a second time, a third, a fourth, a fifth, you're picking up on all these little hints and clues. And you're like, how did I miss that when I first watched it? How did I miss it the second or third time I watched it? And it's just, it's so geniusly well written and it's so well made and just you know the little hints here and there it's it's phenomenal right and that's just kind of the way i see it is that you know it was great the whole way through and i was loving it and loving it but when that ending hits it just gives you a whole new perspective on the movie and that's where it kind of gets its rewatchability and where i feel like it sort of cements its legacy as one of nolan's best in my eyes is because that ending just completely brings it to a whole other level Oh, 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 agreed. I think it's a really, I think it's a pretty, really, really good movie um, and stuff. And I, I, I agree with you. I think, it, I think it's one of its best endings and stuff. So I, I actually really like once, once I saw that we were doing these rankings, I actually really wanted to watch, go back and watch some of his movies, like Interstellar again, The mm-hmm. Prestige and stuff like that. So yeah, yeah, um, definitely agree that it's a really good movie. Uh, my number five is Interstellar. Um, I. Saw it in theaters, then I saw it at home. I think I, I do think it's way too long, but uh, I this is one of the first movies where I thought that there was just so much like depth in this movie and so much things to do. But I think he does capitalize them like all like really, really, really good. 
you know, um, I love all the performances. I think it's one of Matthew McConaughey's best roles. Uh, everyone else is like really, really good in the movie. Uh, the kind of twist and turns that it takes towards the end is good. It looks amazing as well, too. Uh, yeah, it's just one of those things that made me interested to like learn science about like space and time, you know. So, yeah, one of my favorites from him, Interstellar, that's my number five. Uh, what's your number four? What do you got? Number four is The Dark Knight Rises for me. Same um, I'm with you on that one that I feel like this movie, I hate seeing it get hate. I will defend this movie tooth nail all the way to my grave. I think this movie was not only an epic conclusion. I think it was a fantastic story and it was the perfect way to captivate audiences. Once again, bring them back into this world. Uh, not, it didn't necessarily top the dark Knight, but I think it came mm. not extremely close, but close enough to satisfy me and everyone else. Right. I feel like it kind of encapsulated everything you loved about the last two movies and it just went bigger right this time rather than just you know the joker kind of messing people up and you know kind of fucking in everybody's shit in gotham and stuff like that bane just decided like i'm not just gonna mess with the people of gotham i'm just gonna mess with gotham and you know the football field sequence and the blowing up the bridges and the everything right this movie went huge it went all out for this you know nolan's final run with this character and i think it paid off i know it has some of its you know i understand people's grievances with it i understand there are certain plot holes or certain things that doesn't you know really make sense like you know i always love the one um where it's Batman comes back and he's like, oh yeah, light the flare. And then you have this giant line going up and on top of the bridge with the bat symbol. Like it's cool. It's badass. But you're telling me Gotham has like 10 hours left to live before a nuke goes off. And Batman took the time to escape from prison and take like gasoline and make a giant bat symbol and stuff like that. You know, there's little things like that that are, you know, it's just kind of foolish when you think about it. But the way I see it is it's Batman. So, you know, you don't have to think about it too much. Just enjoy the fact that, He's back and he just, you know, there's a giant ass bat symbol burning on a massive bridge in golf and to show everyone like he's back and he means fucking business. So I love right. this movie. I think the action is at its best in this movie. Thankfully, it still isn't great uh, by any means. It's nowhere near the warehouse sequence or even the trailer for the Batman. But I definitely think they upped it, you know, and they, they went bigger and bolder with this one than they did with the past two. Didn't surpass the dark knight but it definitely deserves a lot more love and a lot more respect than it's been getting in recent years agreed uh they this is the, the dark knight is also my number four and they um enjoy i, I do think nolan for those movies should have hired like a like a martial arts chore choreographer absolutely for those. it just felt so slow i'm like dude why is Batman, I, I never got the impression that Batman was a trained whatever. You know what I mean? I, got, I actually got that impression more from Catwoman in this movie than him. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, Catwoman's doing more. And Batman is just doing some, doing some like right hand, left hand combos. I just never knew what was going on. But I do, this is like one of the last movies that I saw in theaters with, with my dad. So it does have a special kind of place in yeah, my heart with sure. this with this movie the dark knight rises was i thought it was really really enjoyable like i i love the story of a broken hero you know what i mean and not broken hero in the in the, in the comedic sense the way they the way they in end game they do thor and hulk you know but a broken hero to the sense where where like i'm done but like my city really really needs me and i, I i'm on my last i'm on my last end and I, I don't know what to do but i have to help and so it's the same feeling i got when i when Endgame does start with with Tony Stark and how he's like a broken hero now. Um, you know what I mean? I, I've always I always enjoy 
those kind of stories you know right you see like a winded bruce wayne in this like we see you know the dark knight returns in this move in this story you know you see like bruce wayne is oh he has like he has like a cane he's like he is just done but he 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 tries to come back Mm -hmm. to fight this new this new threat to gotham and i've always loved that i love the handle of bane because bane when they announced bane as the villain for the dark knight rises i was like ooh, i don't know vane is what bane is one of those villains like the penguin where it can be really really comedic you know the same feel i got the same feeling when i was watching the batman when i when i was hearing all the stuff from the batman i was like mm-hmm. well, you gotta do you gotta do the riddler but i know like matt reeves wants to do this grounded like detective thing with batman and the riddler is a very comedic and comic forward heavy villain. The right. same thing with Bane. Bane, if you if you look at the comic version of Bane, he has like the green fucking like Titan going into him, and he has this like lucha mask and stuff, and he's just very very big and goofy, you know. Right. So when they announced him, and then when I saw that first photo of Tom uh, Tom Hart, like I was like, dude, like that is a that is a beast, yeah, right? He's there. absolutely shredded. <laughs> that I love the mask. I love that he has a weird distorted voice in the match although i do think the voice is, is a little silly at times but like i i've always loved bane and i love when a hero does get like beat you know um and then you know the the main premise of the story is them is them coming out of that and how do they respond we saw with black panther done well with killmonger came into his territory and beat him fair and square and we saw with this bane beat batman's ass in this movie and i that's one of my favorite scenes in any movie is when he's just talking batman is using all of his like tricks that would scare people like the darkness like the uh the smoke one of my favorite mm-hmm. lines ever is when bane is like oh you think darkness is your ally <laughs> yeah. I, I love that so much because yeah, so like he's the He's such a badass, but he has this voice that, like, he like you're like you would think this is ridiculous. Like this this guy with this voice is is like supposed to be a badass. And then when he talks to that general or whoever, then the guy's like like What are you? And he has his hand on his shoulder, and he's like I'm Gotham's reckoning. I like I love all of that. I love Bane so much. I love the football stadium scene. Like I love the ending of this movie when it's just war and chaos. Like, I, yeah. I love um I love Joseph Gordon Levitt in this movie. I love Anne Hathaway. Like I don't really know why people dislike this. I I, I don't get it. I just I, I don't get it. So yeah, I like <laughs> I love Dark Knight Rises a lot. I really really do. The the twist I could have done without and mm-hmm. just killing kill the way Bane is handled at the end where he just just gets shot and that's it. Yeah, that's it for Bane after all this like ruckus he's been causing. I exactly. Done without, but it, as a movie, I've. I, I love The Dark Knight Rises, so I never really got it as well. So, yeah. all right, let's get into our number threes. What do you got? Sure, yeah, definitely. I want to say that, too. That's something I forgot to mention is that I find uh, Tom Hardy's Bane gets a lot of hate, too. I've seen that, like, because the voice and the mask and the this and that. I'm like, nah, he he killed that role. He did such a good job. I love right. the way they handled Bane, right, because they, they made him – Still kind of like comic booky enough with the mask and things like that, but they also made him very real and just a complete badass. So, you know, I love it for that. But regardless, my number three, and this is another one. I could say this for almost anything on this list. Uh, mm-hmm. It was one that I flipped back and forth between two and three. But three for me is Inception. Um, I love this movie. And this is probably honestly like my second most watched Nolan movie of all time. 
and I adore it. And I never get tired of watching mm. it. I saw it for the when the that was the first movie I saw back in theaters after like five months was the tenth anniversary of Inception because when it first oh, came really? out, okay, yeah, I was only like eleven or twelve when it first came out, so I didn't really have much interest in it then. So I missed it in theaters. And, you know, when I, this opportunity came up to go and see it and it was my first time back in theaters and I checked on it and made sure like, you know, the safety protocols were kind of, you know, would make me feel safe enough to want to go back. And, it, you know, it checked out. So I was like, yeah, you know what, let's go and see it. So me and my girlfriend went to see it and it was amazing in theaters and I loved every second of it. You know, it's, it's Nolan's, I wouldn't say, I don't even know how to describe it. Honestly, it's just everything about it. I adore. I think all of the characters contribute in their own unique ways, right? They all have their role to play in this sort of heist movie and they do it so well. You get great performances from everyone. It has some of the most kind of like, it just, uh, I don't even know. I'm really almost at a loss for words for how much I love and appreciate this movie, right? It's some of Hans Zimmer's best mm-hmm. work as well with the score, the visuals in it are absolutely stunning. The set pieces, you know, in each layer of the dream, it just, it has so many sequences in it that, you know, on paper, you'd be like, this is not going to work. Like, how are you going to do this? And he just, you know, he found a way to do it and it, it turned out so well. It gave us one of the most memorable movies of, you know, the past few decades and I think it's one that will really stand the test of time because, again, like I was saying earlier with Inception, it does have that sort of complex narrative that Nolan loves to throw at people. But they chop it up and they have it in such a digestible way that you, you know, you don't feel like the director's being like, OK, like, here you go, idiot. Like, you know, if you can't figure it out here, I'll, you know, I'll spoon feed it to you. But he doesn't do that, right? He does it in a way that you feel like you're sort of picking it apart yourself. And then when things start to click, you're like, oh, yeah. And you feel like, you know, you're really accomplished and that you're, you're smart and things like that. So, you know. The movie itself, I adore it top to bottom. You know, there's little bits and pieces of action thrown in here, and it's done well. You know, you have that hallway fight sequence. You have the whole thing where they're they're bending the dream and everything with the the city kind of folding on itself. There's just so many memorable and iconic moments, and of course, again, one of my favorite film endings ever. Um, actually, this might be my favorite Nolan ending. It's it's so tough to say because he does such a good job with a lot of his endings, but you know, the spin top closing it on that as the final shot of the movie was just pure genius um yeah i don't have enough good things to say about this movie oh agreed 100 percent agree um yeah my number three is actually tenet okay because it's still it's the freshest nolan movie in my mind but i i do like i'm trying to figure maybe hmm, maybe i would switch to dark knight rises in tenet and put uh, Dark Knight Rises as three at the talking about, and then Tenet at four. Uh, okay. But after talking about Tenet more and thinking about it, I really, really do like enjoy it. And although I don't understand what's going on, um, <laughs> I just really, I, I, I'm just really in awe. Like that was one of the movies that uh, the that was one of the movies that I thought that like you know for the longest time in this pandemic you had the you have the question of if like what movie is worth going to a theater for. And mm-hmm. I was just like, I ain't going to go see New Mutants. It ain't worth it. I'm not going, you know what I mean? I'm not going to go see. Yeah. Unhinged. Un, I'm not going to go see Unhinged. It's not worth it. But like Tenet, like I needed that in a theater. So that's just one thing that this movie. And there's a lot of movies that Nolan gives that vibe with Inception, Interstellar, you know, Dunkirk. Even there's like big movies where you just have to. I, Dark Knight Rises. I would love to see that in the theater again. Um, but like, yeah. yeah, this was just. It was just. Uh, and I just really, really. Coming out of the, coming out of thinking about it, I had a week to think about this movie. Now I saw it last Monday. Uh, yeah, I just enjoy John David Washington. I enjoy uh, the set pieces and the action, and just like the 
the uniqueness that it brings to cinema. So that's my number four. I'd go that. So I'd switch that right last minute. Tenet and Dark okay. Knight Rises. Um, number two. Number two for me, and this one again, like I said, I flip back and forth between this and Inception, but number two is going to be Interstellar for me. Uh, I'm a huge space nerd, obviously, and you know, I'm not going to school to be you know, an astrophysicist or anything crazy like that, but I love the idea of space. It both excites and terrifies me. You know, space you know, is endless. It's limitless. You know, you have no idea what's out there. You have no idea the possibilities. So the fact that this movie explored things like wormholes and black holes and relativity and things like that, it's one of the only movies that I can say I left the theater not only having loved the movie immediately, but it also had me thinking beyond the movie and doing my own kind of little research and Google searches on, you know, the possibilities of this, you know, what, you know, what do we know about black holes? What do we know about wormholes? And what do we know about, you know, relativity and space travel and time as we know it? So it's a movie that had me thinking far beyond the movie and diving even deeper into its story and how realistic it is. Now, I know that, um, I'm trying to remember, I think it was Kip Thorne or something. I think that was his name. And it was a mm. theoretical astrophysicist that Nolan worked with uh, very closely when writing the script. They had their kind of guidelines. I think there was only one scene. I can't remember the exact piece of trivia, but there was only one scene that Nolan was able to get away with because uh, the astrophysicist, he said he would only do the movie if everything in space was kept as realistic as possible. And it applied to the rules of space and space travel as we know it. And I think Nolan only got away with one sequence that he was able to convince him that didn't have to be realistic because it was kind of pinnacle to the plot and the story. But, you know, the movie, again, Matthew McConaughey absolutely just crushed this role, you know, Coming off of uh, Dallas Buyers Club, I believe that was 2013, so it would have been just before that. He was on a roll here uh, with his, you know, dramatic performances, and you know, because he's always been known as that kind of rom-com ladies' man type guy. But these couple of years here, they showed that this guy's real acting chops, and um, he gets most of his praise for Dallas Buyers Club. But I feel like he deserves an equal amount of praise for this one. And same thing with Anne Hathaway again, Michael Caine. You know, a lot of the Nolan staples at this point, but you know, fantastic performances all around. And it's one of the most kind of, it has some of the most unique visuals I've ever seen. And some of the most pleasing visuals, again, you go back to the black hole sequence, entering the black hole and you go to the, you know, the entering the wormhole sequence mm -hmm. and you know, even just simpler things that look so real. And a lot of it was done realistically. Again, he has so many practical effects in the movie. And that's something I always admire about Nolan's. He tries to make them as grounded in reality as possible by using practical effects. So even something as simple as that water planet with the giant wave in the distance, they think it's mountains. And then all of a sudden it's, it's crashing down on top of them and everything like that. Just everything about this movie to me is just, I, I love it. It's filled with so much heart and so much passion behind it. And again, right. I, you know, it makes you think about it long and long, long after you have seen it. And it, it makes you ponder really some of life's biggest questions about, you know, kind of what's out there and what's possible. And are we ever going to see these things or explore these things or even just the way we're treating our planet, how I feel like it was a very real study on this is the way the world might be with, you know, crops not growing anymore and things like that. So I really do adore everything about this movie. And it was tough between this and Inception because I've seen them both so many times. But again, just where I'm such a big space nerd, I, I felt like I had to put this one just ever so slightly above Inception. That's what I, yeah, I would agree. I would a hundred percent agree with that actually. Um, yeah, I, 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 uh, I, uh, 
Yeah, in 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 I mean, Interstellar is one of those things where like I was watching it and I was like, sometimes when Nolan directs movies and writes movies, I'm just like, dude, how do you like? What where does this come from? Do you? Yeah, I know. <laughs> did you just look up one night and say, you know what? what's up there? You know what I mean? And then you just right. wrote about it or something like, you know, it makes me like, it makes me wonder, you know, what his interests were. I feel like one of his main interests when he was like younger as a kid before deciding on directing was science, you know, because you can kind of see it in his movies and whatnot that he wants to just like when it comes to wormholes and to space or just time or when Tenet, just like parallel universes, you know what I mean? I, I really, really want to know if that was one of his main things that he's always he's always been interested in. I always wonder if I, I also wonder, too, if, if Nolan listens to like those kind of podcasts where they're talking about, like, you know, space, time and continuum and stuff like that. I, I, I definitely see him doing that. So, yeah, I would agree. Um, my number two. Inception. Um, I just always loved this movie as a kid, you know, growing up with it and stuff like that. Uh, it wasn't a movie that I saw in theaters. It was, it was a movie that I saw uh, at home, but I would have loved to see it in theaters. Once again, I, if this was normal times, I would have ran to that theater anniversary of Inception. But like like I said, like it's just if, if, it, if I've seen it or if it's not like a big movie that's coming out that I'm just not going to just like risk the risk the idea for it you know so that's one of the things but inception i've always always loved now our number ones i feel like it's the same thing okay okay our number one he's going first you or same time three two one us three two one the dark the dark night i mean we i i i when we did the ranking i mean i'll be my number one i mean it's just I don't know. I talk about The Dark Knight a thousand times in this podcast. I don't know what else I could say, what I was saying that, I mean, it, it it's the pinnacle of a comic book movie and no other comic book movie has really come close to being either good or as good as this movie. Like, I, it's one of those movies where I watch maybe like once a year just to get my fix and stuff with all of the performances, all of the nuances that he, all of the themes that he's trying to explain in this movie. Uh, I just enjoy, of, of course, you have to talk about the Joker and then that mm-hmm. amazing, amazingness of this, of you know, of him just putting the Joker in mainstream. It already was a mainstream character, but like after this movie, it was like up there as one of the one of the biggest characters in pop culture, um, mm-hmm. which is why the last the the Joker movie made so much money is because this character is just so held to a higher standard by so by so many people. And when when you announce a Joker is coming to theater, like coming to a screen, or you announce that someone's playing the Joker, now it's us. It's a big deal because you're like, okay, we have we know that they have to measure up to Heath Ledger. And mm-hmm. I, for me, that still has not happened, um, which is why I don't, I feel like we don't need a Joker for a long time just because like Agreed. we had like, we had like three after him and like no one is really touching him. I know Matt Reeves wants to do the Joker again, like in his trilogy and, and, and I get it. It's a, it's a Batman's biggest villain, Batman's most personal villain. So I, 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 I get it, but Dark Knight, 
it's one of, it's his best movie it's his best script i've read that script so many times <laughs> and stuff just like in awe of some of the dialogue choices and like some of some of like villain dialogue when i when i'm when i'm writing a villain my own myself i always look back to his iteration of a villain of a main villain and how he's not here for a purpose he's just here to cause havoc and no one has really no one has really portrayed that on screen after after what he did with the dark knight I just love the movie so much um but yeah but of course my only flaws with the movie is still batman it's just not like the not not like the best batman yet you know mm-hmm. that's just why i don't consider him my favorite batman i just never vibe with batman in these movies at all you know so i vibe with him more in the dark knight rises because of the broken story you know but right. in dark knight I just, I don't know, but let's hear why it's your number one. Yeah, honestly, it's, it's for all the same reasons that you said, right? This, you know, this was at a point where the MCU was just sort of ramping up and things like that just a couple months before this came out. And at the time, you know, comic book movies aside really from Batman Begins were just kind of seen as, you know, kids movies. They were fun, adventurous, actiony kids movies. But this sort of surpassed not only everyone's expectations, but I feel like it transcended the genre and became sort of its own thing. Some people even say it's not just like a superhero movie, but, you know, it's a drama it's a thriller it's you know it's an action adventure it's it's all of these things because it's sort of surpassed you know having to be called just another superhero movie uh you know for like everything you said right it's big it's epic you know again nolan using all the practical effects like the truck flipping sequence and things like that and of course heath ledger as the joker just oh oh my god you know phenomenal performance one of my favorite film performances of all time and uh i'd say still my favorite live action joker for sure i mean i'm personally i'm a hamill all the way fan for my all-time joker but definitely live action joker i think no one's gonna pass ledger and i feel like i agree with you too that you know in the last couple years where you've had leto and joaquin take on the role and neither one of them you know lived up to ledger i feel like we need to give the character a little bit of a break uh, I know that Matt Reeves definitely yeah. has plans at some point for him, but hopefully that won't come until like a second or third film, like way down the line. Um, but yeah, it's just everything about this movie is amazing. And that's just kind of the biggest thing that I always say that it sort of, it transcended the genre. It broke through its own barriers. Right. And it, you know, because people now, you know, if you look at it, it's praised and loved by just about everyone. There's a small minority that are like, oh my God, it's overrated. It's the most overrated movie of all time. And that's great. That's fine that you think that, right. I'm not saying that you're wrong. Yeah, that's your that's your thoughts. That's your opinion. But for myself and yourself, among with many, many, many others, it's one of the best movies of all time, period. I mean, it sits at the number four spot on the IMDb top 250 of all time, only behind what Shawshank and the first two Godfather movies. But you have to think about all the movies that it's ahead of. Right. And it's just it's mm-hmm. it's breathtaking how amazing this movie is. I agree with you, though, that what's still lackluster in it is the sort of the hand to hand combat and stuff like that isn't great. Um, I would say that Bale is probably still my favorite Batman at the moment, just because I love the story to the character. I love him as Bruce Wayne and I love, you know, his That's reason fair, yeah. to fight. Yeah, Yeah. I agree that, like, I like him as Batman, right? I love his lines of dialogue. I love the way he's written, and I love his his reason for fighting and his reason for doing what he does and his methods because I think they really – they didn't dive into it as much as I think that Matt Reeves is going to, but they did try to really – 
dig into the detective side. And you see a lot of that in this one in particular uh, more than the other two. But again, it's one of those Nolan movies that I really feel like just me speaking about it isn't enough. Like I feel like I really can't justify how much I love this movie and how great this movie is just by saying all these same things and praising it for its visuals and the score and the this and the that because it really is a masterpiece through and through in my mind. Oh, 100%. 100% agree. Uh, I have I have no major problems with The Dark Knight. That's just why I just like look at it and I watch it. Oh, man, I also have to say it's one of my favorite... I think it's, I think it is my 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 favorite movie opening. Oh yeah! General, oh my god! The yeah, the bank shot, the heist elements Absolutely of fantastic. it, the dialogue of them talking about Joker, not realizing Joker is right a part of it, and it's mm-hmm. our Joker's master plan. To oh, it's just so great to me that Joker told every single one of them, "Yeah, take out the other one, and we'll take this all back." Then the the idiot in the in the in, in the bus is like, oh, I wonder where everybody is, you know, and, and then he just Shot. shoots him without even turning around. Yeah, it's just great. You know what I mean? Just just great. One of my that's something openings. Nolan right. just does so well too. Is his openings are always memorable. Then it yeah then then uh, like it's right next to my to like the opening of Scream as my favorite opening of all time. Right, you know. Uh, and then and and then just the just Joker's first line, though, that first that first dialogue is so great. I'm not even gonna try to imitate it because I just can't. He's so great <laughs> at it. But you know the line about stranger, I just I right. love that so much. So great. I, I was so, so excited. So yeah. Every time I watch the movie, I just get so amped for the entire movie after after that first scene. Oh yeah, I totally um, agree. I remember I saw this actually great. the first time I saw this. I was it was for my tenth birthday. I remember that actually. I remember specifically it released in my theater on july 18th and my birthday is the 24th and i remember being so excited and my parents taking me because that's what they were like what do you want to do for your birthday and i was like i want to go see the dark knight and i was 10 Mm -hmm. and seeing it on my birthday and you know i loved it then and i still love it now right it's one of those movies that has stuck with me and i've had the same impression of it ever since i was you know 10 so when a movie sticks with you for that long and, and it has such an impact on you and the way you sort of perceive film and the way things should be made and it sort of sets this new standard for you in your mind and at such a young impressionable age that you know you're gonna remember it right and it's gonna rank up pretty high for you yeah agreed agreed nothing no wrong things to say about the dark knight um all right everyone that is our ranking for christopher nolan's movies uh thank thank you guys for all voting once again i had a really good time going and reminiscing back to all these movies um, I guess I'll go through uh, one quick question here from Skype. Once again, if you want to text us at any time, whether it's for the live shows, the world shows, or for Monday morning movies, uh, the number is 617-506-3409. And we have a question here that says, uh, would you rather uh, would you rather Nolan's next movie be another uh, take on a, sci- a scientific element or would you rather him get back into the more heist kind of film? Uh, well, I don't really understand because I don't remember him doing like a heist movie. But I mean, I think that would be interesting. I, I, I do. I saw the argument last week was people trying, people who want him to go kind of the more grounded, grounded kind of movie again. But right. here's my thing with that. I think Nolan's movies have become event films. They have, and I don't know another director outside of like a superhero movie that has that power. You know what I mean? 
I don't even like the horror directors because Jordan Peele's movies have kind of started to become that as well. But I don't think a movie, and I'm not talking about Tarantino being an event. Like I'm talking about grandeur spectacle movies. What other director do we get that from when it comes to, when it comes to like, like, you know what I mean? Like on a spectacle level kind of film. Yeah. I, I guess maybe Denis Villeneuve, but I think mm-hmm. Nolan, even even with the casual audiences, they know that name. The casual audience do not does not know the name of Denis Villeneuve yet, you know. Mm-hmm. But the casual audiences know Nolan because they always show up to his movies when they come out. Granted, this weekend's box office was twenty million, but it's pandemic. People just please don't freak out. Pandemic, all theaters are not open. New York and California and DC are closed. So I mean, what can you do? But mm-hmm. Uh, I so I get excited when I hear that his next movie is about some time space reverse. Like I, I get excited when those things are coming. You know, um, I, if he came out and said my movie is about bank robbers, I'd be like, I don't know. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Because like I, I've, it's been drilled in my head that his movies are spectacles and they're event movies. So I would not get that same right. feeling if he just came out of nowhere and said, Hey, I'm making a movie about a guy who's dealing with uh, the loss of, you know what I mean? I'd just be like, no, I need to see yeah. like some crazy shit happening in Nolan's movies. So I, I don't know. I'm very indifferent on that. What about you? Yeah. I mean, I'm with you on the fact that Nolan has kind of, again, he's sort of transcended that name of just a guy that, you know, directs movies and makes movies. He is, he makes event films. When his movies come out, it's a big deal for people who haven't even watched his other films because he's just, he makes event films. Right. And that's, what's so amazing about him as a director. But um, the only way I can, the only time is that we've seen him kind of make heist films that I've seen him kind of say himself that, Inception is basically a heist film, but it was not uh, not necessarily meant to be a heist film. But he said that he felt mm. this idea was going to be tough to digest unless it was presented to the audience in a way that they could resonate with. And that's why he made it like a heist film, right, where he has to go into this guy's mind and plant this idea and stuff like that. Because it was made in the form of a heist film. That way audiences sort of had something to grasp onto. And then, of course, you have the opening sequence from The Dark Knight. But as much as I would love that, we have had so many great heist movies in our time, you know, go watch the town, go watch Ocean's Eleven, go watch, you know what I mean? Whatever you want there. Or again, just go watch the opening of the Dark Knight or go watch Inception. So although I think it would be great and I think he would absolutely kill it and it would again end up being just one of another one of his movies on his uh, his record, right? That would be phenomenal. But I agree with you that the Nolan films are event films and I get more excited when I find out that it's just going to be something that's going to blow my mind, right? You're looking at Inception. It's like, oh God, they're jumping into dreams. And all of a sudden he went from Inception and then you go to Interstellar and it's like, oh, okay, he's going through space travel and relativity and black holes and all this stuff. And then you jump to uh, tennis and it's like, you know, he's going to deal with inversion and these sort of time travel elements and stuff like that. So I feel like I get more excited and I'm more intrigued when he is sort of going to test his audiences and he's going to dabble with these kind of crazy ideas that no one's really thinking of but him and his sort of warped own mind so i i do think that 
I don't have any doubts in my mind that if he did another sort of heist film, something similar to Inception, or if he just went for an all all out heist film, something like Ocean's Eleven or The Town or something like that, I think he would kill it. I think it would be, you know, he would do a great job. I think he would give us some memorable characters and of course some really memorable set pieces like he always does. But I feel like at this point where we say that his films are event films, I feel like that would almost be too simplistic at this point. Not to say that he's above that genre, just to say that what people expect of Nolan and his films now, I feel like people would sort of think like, okay, this almost feels like a step backwards. Like he just, he kind of brought it a little too close to the ground when we're talking about grounded in reality. So I feel like I would prefer to see him try something else a little bit crazier and a little bit newer too. I would agree. I actually would agree. Um, so, yeah. Uh, with that being said, everyone, that is our show for today's Monday Morning Movies. Really, really appreciate Brett for joining me as always. Really appreciate you guys for sending in your votes and sending in your text messages. Uh, with that being said, our next week's episode, we will have a poll up by the weekend and whatnot. And, yeah, I'm very excited to get into next week's episode along with uh, this weekend. This, today's episode was really, really fun, so I enjoyed it. Um, all right, Brad, let everyone know where they can follow you. And if, if, and if anything's coming new to your channel, let us know. Yeah, sure. So you can find me on YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, all at BamTubeTV. Um, as of right now, I have a couple of videos in the mix. Um, you know, I'm closing out on that 1,000 subscriber mark. I'm only about, uh, I think it's like 45, 48 away, something in that territory. And uh, and I'll try to put out as much content as I can that people are going to enjoy so I can push towards that 4,000 watch hours mark there too. So I have a the next video I have planned, I have it recorded. I'm in the editing process is another cinema showdown. So that's one of my versus videos. Oh, cool. And then, yeah. And then I feel like the ranking videos have actually been doing pretty good for me. I put out ranking videos the last couple of videos I put out and I've gotten a lot of requests for uh, other directors and other franchises to tackle. So I'm looking into a few more of those. And then of course, you know, I just enjoy doing random videos too. The, the let's discuss videos where I kind of just get to dive deep into certain films or franchises or characters that I love. So that's all that's upcoming for me. All right, yeah. Um, so for us, we have uh, this weekend, we have tomorrow, Cinemania Live with Hannah and I. Later on today, we'll have the box office beatdown show with myself and Larry. And as, as far as, when, well, I was going to say there might not be a world show because of the news, but Wednesday, we are getting the Dune trailer. So <laughs> I'm sure I'm going to want to talk about that. So that'll probably be Wednesday's show, just discussing the Dune trailer and whatnot um yeah so that being i do think after tenet's box office that it's probably will get delayed just because if tenet couldn't break like 40 or 30 or whatever um international did well but i do think dune will be getting delayed and we'll see what happens but um you can follow me on twitter everyone at cinemaniac94 uh, the page and the podcast you can follow us on uh, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Cinemania World. And with that being said, thank you guys for joining us. My name is Dwayne. That was Brett. We'll talk to you guys next week for another episode of Monday Morning Movies. Bye-bye.